Hello, this is Juliet Jakes, welcoming you back to the Suite 212 sessions. As many of you will know, I began these sessions in March 2020 when the first COVID-19 lockdown began in the United Kingdom and shut down much of the country's cultural life, as it did elsewhere in Europe and across the world. Conducted via Skype or Zoom and more spontaneous than our usual output, these sessions were intended to compensate for the loss of our usual radio slot and indeed of national and international artistic communities. We are, of course, back on Resonance 104.4 FM now, but not back in our studio, and so we've been recording our discussion programmes remotely. With most of the coronavirus restrictions still in place, and the art world unlikely to go back to normal anytime soon, even if such a thing were desirable, I've decided to run these sessions again on a more sporadic basis as an ongoing series, alongside the monthly programme and the extra shows available for subscribers. So joining me today is Belgian artist, musician and filmmaker Anne-Mie van Kerkhoven. Born in Antwerp in 1951, she studied graphic design at the Fine Arts Academy of Antwerp and has established a truly interdisciplinary practice, having been prolific in her output drawings and other works on paper and synthetic material, as well as painting, computer art and short videos since the early 1980s. Her work explores the relationship between art, science, politics and social issues and spiritualism as well as that between erotics and machines, informed in part by her time working in the periphery of the Artificial Intelligence Laboratory in Brussels. In 1981, she formed the noise band Club Moral with Danny DeVos, who remained a key part of the Antwerp experimental music scene. So, Anne Mee, welcome to Sweet 212. Thank you. Thank you for, for asking me. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I first encountered your work at a large retrospective uh, in your home city of Antwerp in 2018 at UMCA, the big contemporary art gallery there, uh, and was really, really impressed and amazed at the, the sheer variety of your work across drawings and paintings and across video and digital art and uh, music, amongst other things, and was slightly annoyed to have not encountered your work before. I was also sorry not to be able to make your recent exhibition at the Gallery Barbara Thum in Berlin, which is called Life is Perfect, where you presented some new works with prints on wood uh, and gesso with painted plexiglass. And I was particularly annoyed because the work is inspired by uh, a writer who is very close to my heart and obviously yours as well, which is the Belgian political theorist and sometimes situationist Raoul Vanagum. And uh, a text that of Vanagum's is maybe less well known than uh, than some of his earlier work uh, called the Book of Pleasures, um, Le Livre de Plaisir from 1979, in which Vanagum argues that the world of the commodity is based on the transformation of life into work, and talks about uh, how individual excitement can be born of in this moment of abolishing work. Of course, that was quite a key situationist demand. There's a key line here I've just picked out of the Vanagum text, where he says that making pleasure democratically accessible coincides, though it is scarcely coincidence, with the conquest of new markets where simple enjoyment is called comfort and happiness is called possession. In doing so, however, the bourgeoisie crystallised the inexpiable sin, refusal to pay, so enjoyment outside a transaction is the absolute economic crime. So Vanagum is, is talking a lot about the liberation of, of pleasure. And I wonder if we could talk about how Vanagum's ideas come into your work and this idea of translating uh, the text into a visual medium. Maybe it's, it's for you, it's not so important to know, but it is typical. I'm, I, we are in Belgium. Eh? And uh, of course, I when I was young, I don't know from what age on, I started to hear about uh, situationism maybe through Dada and then uh, the panic movement in Paris. And so it was via, not via the normal way you would think, because actually I'm, I'm born as a Catholic, I have a Christian uh, Catholic uh, upbringing. From, from very young on, I was attracted to ideas uh, most uh, that were completely opposite to, to the ideas of my family and so. But um, I have to say, that I knew the bar, I knew all these people, and at a certain and with Danny De Vos, uh, my husband now for already thirty years, we from nineteen eighty on, we started here in a factory in Borgerhout in Antwerp. We started um, 
an artist touring space. Ali, we just started this bit. We just invited people at our house. Ali, we, we lived in a factory and we had um, a lot of room, a lot of spaces. Um, it was very cheap, extremely cheap. Not it insanely cheap, actually, because we had no money at the moment. And uh, we invited people, um, people came to us. And actually, around 1988, there was um, an artist, musician called Condom from Birmingham. He uh, visited us. He was going to do some performances in, in our space. And uh, he was reading this book, uh, The Book of Pleasure. And of um, yeah, um, of course, I was very much interested. Also, because, of course, I heard some reminiscences of, of the films of Kenneth Anger. I'm very much a big, uh, I am, I'm an addict. Yeah, actually, I, I think at that moment, it was not so long yet that uh, these films were uh, allowed to be shown in public. And um, of course, I saw the, directly the relationship. Actually, I, I found out that the book uh, was uh, from an anarchistic editor. And um, of course, I was very much interested, but I found it kind of was really very leftist, uh, kind of Marxist, and with this um, difficult for me at the moment, at that moment, to really to go into it. But then I have been buying books for 30 years, everything that I could find of Van Eigen, become, because I think, of course, I'm very proud that he's from Belgium. Yeah, he's, and um, that he's still alive. And, and uh, anyway, um, it is so that, of course, at the, at the end of the, what was it, uh, the end of the, of the beginning or the middle 90s, there was this man called uh, Michel Houellebecq. You know him? Of course, yeah. Um... Who, of course, is very indulgent to him, you know, to Van Eyck. Because I, I just this afternoon I found out that uh, he, the first book of Van Eyck, uh, of of Houellebecq was called Au Vivant. And uh, there was a book written by Van Eyck a year before that was called Adresse Au Vivant. See? But I already found there is a very big similarity between Nous qui désirons sans fin, eh, this is the book of pleasures, and um, his book then, these things happen when you get older, you know, you start to see all these things, how these things match to each other. So, Extension du Domaine de la Lutte, eh, from Ouellebeck, eh, you know this book? Extension to, of, of, yeah, probably it's, it's, uh, it's, from, it's from 1994. It's not such a good book, anyway, but, but he, yeah, anyway, um, but it's a um, very interesting book. It's, it was before Les Particules Elementaires. So there was a lot that was coming from these two people at the same time in the 90s to me. And then it happened that there was a manifesta some years ago. And uh, what do I see there? I see there a work. Um, it was in, 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 in um, Limburg, in Belgium. It was, uh, I saw their work that really I liked very much. And it was a collaboration of um, Raoul van Eigen and Kozakis. I don't know if you know about that. It's fantastic. It's, it's a little movie. And actually what you see is a black and white, very simple thing. It's, um, it's on, an isle, on an island in Greece. And um, you see in the middle of the day, an old man and a young man carrying stones with a donkey in the mountains. And they are actually, they are building some kind of a shed or a house or so. And at the moment, and it, it's not that long, I think 15 minutes. And it's called a moment of eternity in the passage of time. And what you then see is this little going on eh, of these people carrying the stones. And uh, at the same moment, you hear a poem. Is it now cited by Raoul himself or someone else? I don't remember. But there is a long poem. It's a long poem, actually. So it's called A Moment of Eternity in the Passage of Time. And I think, and when I saw that in this old building, I don't know if it's the same case in, in England, but the places where the people, the coal miners, went into the ground, they look like palaces here in Belgium. 
it's like some kind of a huge castle, super beautiful. Anyway, and then there's the pit in the middle. But you have to see the setting and then see this here, then this very simple, very not sophisticated at all, but so interesting poem of Van Eigen. And then in collaboration with a young Greek artist, I, I thought it was it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. So um, I started again trying to read things of Van Eigen. And, and I have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not so good in, in reading things when I don't use them immediately. It's how my mind works. I have to really to relate it to words and then I can really go into the text uh, for a long time. And um, that is the reason, and that stayed in the back of my head at a certain point last year, that, and this book was already on my desk for a long time, Nuki Dizirons Sans Fans, We Who Long Without End. It's, you, you, the, the title in, in, in England is completely different, eh? but it, it's me, his title is We Who Long Without End, Who Are Longing Without End. It has to do with infinity, you know, and yeah, anyway, it, it is um, what I wanted to do. Of course, this, this, um, this uh, corona situation, it's very weird because of, in the beginning you could say, yeah, it's the normal situation that you are in as an artist, that you work, you don't see, you only see people, at my age, I'm almost 70, so you only see people when you really want to, it's not always working like that, but um and you will have kind of con control. It's not that you have control, but you are very protective about what comes in because I still have a lot of books and, and things that I have to work on until I'm, I don't have my brain falls apart. But anyway, yeah, um, at a certain point, I did a performance with Danny. I mean, no, normally Danny would have done a performance in Ostend in Belgium next to the seaside. But of course, to, thanks to Corona in, the, in, in uh, around November, it wasn't uh, October. It wasn't possible to do it with audience, so we did it. Uh, we did it uh, on, on also with Zoom, some Zoom kind, uh, Zoom kind of aperture. And then what I did, he did a performance, and what I did, I I worked on the spot on books that I'm preparing. And I have to say, I'm already preparing. I'm already busy with them. In, from 2011, you know, it's already a long time. But what I try to do is connect all the texts, the things that I've written, because well, sometimes the aphorisms, text, anyway. But in the beginning, I never, uh, as an artist, when I started, I never could, I didn't want to, to choose between text and image. So that you can see that very, very good in the beginning of my work and also the places where I showed my work in, because they were like in these um, bookshops that you had all over Europe in the 70s and where you could could call uh, could buy free press or where they had like multiples of artists, uh, where they had, they had a small space in the back where there were music performances or other things going on, but not regular, regular exhibitions actually. They were very attached to the to the shop itself. It's also male art exchanges were also taking place in these, in these spaces. And the one that I did it was from Ulysses Carion in Amsterdam. In the meanwhile, when he, I have to say that in the meanwhile, he invited me, but in the meanwhile, when I, it was really on my time to do something there, he gave it over to a lesbian woman uh, from Seattle who changed the name, and I had two fantastic shows there, I have to say. I mean, it was actually, I, I, I wanted to do a show, but of course, when I, I entered, I, I remember I was, it was in the afternoon, and in the evening was the, that was the, was the opening, and I was there with all my works in plexiglass with texts and, and signs and everything, but I had no walls, so what, what did I do? So I, I did, I made an installation. That was the first time I really made an incident, it was in 79. The very weird thing is that when um, this feeling that I had last autumn was the same feeling that I had when I actually did this performance, I did this installation in other books and so, in Amsterdam. So you can call it some kind of an, an, an um, 
that you find try to find help in abstraction? Is it frustration? I don't know, but it's somehow, I think abstraction is some a haven that is very uh, helpful when you are limited. Normally, uh, I'm, I'm, I work in, in, on two different levels, you know, one is very, very um, figurative and the other one is abstract and theories. And uh, what I try to do with these two kinds of me is to, to combine them. Of course, for years and years and years, I wasn't able to, but actually, I think that the last three, four, five years, I'm managing to make a combination. I think so. And anyway, um, that was with what um, Corona did with me. And I have to say, uh, the whole situation of, of the lockdowns and so, which in fact is not a bad thing. Because uh, I have to say that from when I was a kid, I didn't like life as it was. There were, were things, of course, my parents, they were very hard workers. So we, us as kids, we had to go. My parents were caterers. But of course, with big banquets, we had a house of the sixth, 17th century with a very, like one third was for, for like in, in former times, it was for, um, for the servants. That's where we lived. But there were all, on all the floors, there were doors that you opened and you came in a very luxury environment where you were not supposed to go in as kids, you know. But there were banquets and very chic uh, dinners and, and, and receptions and so. Yeah, what I wanted to say is from very small, when I was a very small kid on, there was I had these compartments that I opened and closed then because there was then this other thing as well that um, my grandparents they had some kind of a mansion a very big castle we called it in 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 um, in, in next to twenty kilometers from Antwerp in the woods and it was uh, the fields in the woods and it was uh, like a resort for the, the noble people and. Um, of course, we lived there too, and in 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 the in the winter it was ours, but in the summer it's, we had to share it with all these customers, and that was also a different kind of world. And you know, I have to say that that us as kids, eh, we had to, to be there, like sometimes in the summer for two months, eh, that we didn't see our parents, eh, and uh, yeah, I, I have to say I, I I suffered a lot from that. And then I said, and, and also when I had problems, my mother also said, oh, don't bother me. I have already, we have already so much on our head. And I thought, what is this work? What is, I no, don't, never want to go to work in my life. See, uh, what is this, this work that's, that is something burden? What, what is life, uh, the life of, of, of grown up people? So from in the beginning, I thought there is something completely wrong with life and what is life about and I don't want this life. And actually, that's, that's the one of the, the, the pitiful things of me that I never um, in my life, I really um, accepted. Sometimes I feel good, but mostly I, 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 I don't think life is really something that you feel good about. I think life, actually life, uh, we, are on, we are on the world to have problems. That's a fact, because otherwise there is no evolution. But in the meanwhile, of course, you can make the best of it. And that's what I did, actually, with this Club Moral and with Danny and, and with making the things that we do and making the publications and, and, and making the music, I music, this, because it's noise music, that we old school noises, so it's rhythms next to each other and then Danny screaming and and uh and it actually it's still um so death metal and so this kind of music that's really still my my favorite kind of music. Yeah is that is that a is that an answer to your question question? I don't know. <laughs> I but don't it's, know. It's, it's a really nice overview um of a lot of your yeah. influences and, and interests. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we should just talk briefly about the work that you made for the Life is Perfect exhibition, the new works, the kind of process of composition, and a little bit more about Van Eyhem's influence on them. Yeah. Okay. So what I did, I, I, I prepared some abstract things on my computer. 
just abstract, not starting because mostly I start from things that I scan or that I, I so I, I, I'm very geometrical. And um, I was having a lot of fun with it. I have to say it was just extremely fun to do that. But uh, then I had this book that was laying there and that I wanted to, to use because I have been looking in this book, Nuki Desirons en fin van Eigen, and what he's doing there is, is saying that we are the, the bad thing. In, in 79, he was saying that eh, the bad thing about uh, Western society and how things are going is that we transform life into work. And that's an aberration. That's very shortly said. And what he's doing in his book is in several chapters, he describes what should be changed. And what I did was I, 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 I um, typed them over all the type, all the six, uh, seven chapters. And what I did was, I, um, because a lot of things that he was saying, this should be done and, and we are evaluating in that direction and this and that, actually it, was in the middle in this corona time uh, in what we are living now it has been changed or it's in the middle of changing you see and that's very interesting and that's why i also in i made a little booklet together with the, with the show and i said the text is after van Eigen because i changed here and there things i can do that as an artist and uh, when i say it and but uh, of course and what i did actually is I, I selected then seven and I worked them out in function of the of the chapter. And I put them because in each chapters there's always three or four under sections. And I put each time an image of the work as an additional intersection of uh, his chapters. Because that's actually what I believe also, and that's really you are have experts in all in all level on all level of, of our how our society but artists are also experts you know they are experts in um in perception in a kind of sort of perception and i think that sometimes a work of art or an art piece i don't like the word that much there should be another name i sometimes i find another name but like, let's say an image that works on a lot of different levels, and that's very well done. It can work as an as a text, the same as a theory to enlighten or to loosen. What's the same for me to loosen the synapses in the in in, in the heads of people who are just obstructed, and that's why art is as it is as it is at the at, at this moment in our times. And th that is what what art has to do. In my opinion, it has to uh, show other ways of using your brain. I think when you look at at this the, 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 these under uh, these text these these chapters eh, like the listing of the chapter structure of the chapters of Anagem, and you see in the middle there on the same level as 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 the as the words you see the images. This is very. It's not that it's it's an illustration. Eh? They work on the same level. I think that opens things, and that's what I did. And that's also what I did, of course, in the show in in, in Berlin. Then eh, I, I showed them very sick. They were not so big, also ninety five by seventy five. In different because in the beginning I wanted to be more wild in making because I I was going to make three layers and be very wild with with colors and this and that but then somehow the thing took over they took it over and they become very became very neat and which is very very unusual for me because it took a, a lot of energy it took me three three months to recover from that to be so neat and so so because some of the prints i i returned to the printer three times to make them to, because because you see the things are simple but but when you look at them because they have these layers, it's kind of, yeah, it's weird. You don't know what you are looking at. And that's what I, of course, what I want. And that's also what I expect when I, see, I look at, at, at an image at the wall 
uh, at the wall, yes, uh, that I can go into it and that it, it gives me things back. And of course, that's very, very that's a very, um, very traditional way of looking at, 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 at an image at the wall because sometimes I hate it to look at walls all the time with images on it, but it, it has a purpose and it's, it's useful. What, what the thing is, I only sold one and it's to a collector who actually is an old friend from the Club Moral. Um, he's a, he became very rich. He, he's an advisor of Putin in Moscow um, for oil, in oil business. Uh, and he buys a lot of our old works. And, uh, and he's the only one who, who bought actually a work of me, which, so I, my costs are even, I'm even, but the money cannot, <laughs> that's the problem, the money now, it cannot reach me because of there is an, um, a wall, a money wall against uh, Russia, Russia at the moment. But yeah, that's. Uh, but anyway, I have to say, I had a lot of good reactions also by email from colleague artists. But um, Meshede, who, who was, Meshede, he, he, he wrote a very interesting text about it, especially about the title. Because in the beginning, I wanted to call the show Artist Says No. You see, and uh, but then, yeah, I thought it was too negative. I can't, especially at those at that moment at the, at the beginning of this year, I don't think so. Uh, when sometimes when I'm completely lost, I open this book, don't laugh with me, but I open this book. I have this book, I, I got it from a friend a long time ago, 30 years ago. It's uh, from Bagwan on the towel. He speaks about the towel, you know, towel uh, setting. And uh, I open it, and there is it. Life is perfect as it is, and it's also even with all the problems. Actually, it is perfect, and that's also I think yes, that is the title because also and uh, also with the difficulties that I I I look personally at at what life is and how how we have to 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 lead our lives. It is perfect as it is. It is meant to be like that, actually. And um, that was really, um, that gave me the good, a, a good counterbalance also with, with the book of Van Eigen, actually. And this is the story of these, um, of the works and of the booklet that I then made, because for me it was also very, important but then again it was very important that the, the the chapters would be also visible in the gallery the ch chapters with them and like i i made it in the booklet and i occupied like the first wall that you enter at the right in the gallery but of course because of um of the lockdown corona i couldn't go to the to, to install my show, I did it um, yeah, with, with, the, with this 3D program, but in the end, my gallerist, she chose another wall. You cannot, when you're not there, you cannot fight the, the loss of a commodity, you see, because uh, she hanged them some drawings um, on that good wall. But actually, the, the theory is there, but not in, an, in a in a forceful way as I wanted it to be. I don't know how actually, I never, I, I didn't, I didn't ask anybody that it worked really, that you were, were, were really going to that big thing because it was two, two meters 50 by one meter 50 yeah, the, with the whole, with the texts and so of Van Eigen. I don't know if people were really attracted by it because I think that was the most beautiful thing in the whole show was, was really this pancart with text and image, you know. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Yes, well, let's um, let's move on from from that show to another recent show, which was a contribution of yours to a a group exhibition at the uh, Annie Gentils Gallery in Antwerp called "The Beginning of the Twenty First Century." This exhibition was obviously reflecting on the impact of the First World War and the Spanish flu pandemic, and sort of asking how artists might look at the sort of new challenges around COVID-19, the climate crisis and the ongoing collapse of this particular iteration of, of capitalism, neoliberal capitalism, you might say. Your contribution 
took its cue from uh, an epic poem, a long poem, by a poet from Antwerp called Paul Van Ostein, which is a volume of poetry giving a fragmented sketch of life in Antwerp uh, during the German occupation, during the First World War, of course, the German invasion of, of Belgium in autumn 1914 that sparked the First World War. It's a really interesting work. I wasn't aware of Paul Van Ostein and um, he died very young. I think he was 32 when he died. So this is this is his the sort of cornerstone of his legacy, really. And um, I think the only one of his works that's been translated into English. So I read it. I had a talking to you and was really, again, really kind of struck by its combination of text and image, its use of montage, the kind of fragmented, very modernist poetic style that um, anyone who shares my love of, of French poets such as, uh, French language poets such as Guillaume Apollinaire or Blaise Sendrade, I don't think any of them, yeah, either yeah. them are actually French, will recognise that style and that approach. But Van Ostein brings in a lot of popular songs and early movies and popular culture. It's also described as this work of uh, rhythmical typography that calls for a new literature and politics. Uh, and it was advertised at the time as a book devoid of biblical beauty, a book for royalists and republicans, for doctors and illiterates, a book that lists every important song of the last 10 years, in short, as indispensable as a cookbook, what every girl should know. Um, so I wondered if we could talk a bit about um, how you engage with, with Paul Van Ostein's work yeah. uh, in your contribution to this exhibition. Yeah, first of all, I have to say that uh, what, uh, what you have read about Paul Van Ostein is actually the, 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 the text by Annie Gentils, who is the owner of the gallery. And uh, the whole exhibition was concepted from, actually from that, from Paul Van Ostein's view, uh, because he was from Antwerp, eh, of course. Uh, and um, I have to say, of, I'm, I'm raised with Paul Van Ostein because we had to, I, we, we read his, his poetry from when we were kids on, because there, there is a lot of poetry that can be understood by kids, you know, and it's very fantastic. It's with alliterations and uh, they are really genial, genial. But what is so interesting about him, of course, is that um, he was a very um, controversial artist. Um, before, I, I'm not quite sure again when he had to flee, but he had to go in exile to Berlin because he um, insulted very high Catholic person here in Belgium. And um, there was this whole group of um, well, dandies, and in, in those times, dandies, uh, dandy-like, uh, uh, constructivist, uh, very important people, like also Van Tongerlo and so, George Van Tongerlo. All these people, they, they knew each other, and um, it was a very lively scene, but he was like kind of the, of, of the master, the master person who uh, was really the most active and had the most most energy of everyone of them, and so um, he then had to, to he then went to Berlin. It had to do with a girlfriend, I guess. Yeah, I I didn't know. Yeah, I, it's a little bit in the back of my head. But anyway, he had to, he went into Berlin with um, with um, a woman, and um, he entered there into the very progressive um, art scenes but he felt very bad in Berlin that's that's a fact he came back and uh, he wrote the, he made the book after he had this contact with his Dadaists in, in Berlin and that's when he made the book he had problems of course of um, printing it because it was um, so difficult and he found then a friend um, who uh, published it, uh, but they in the beginning you know, it was really on a very small edition, and um, it's actually one of the most important bookworks that have ever been made, in my opinion, in 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 that um, period of time in Europe. No, it's not because I'm from Europe, from Antwerp that I think it's so important, but it it's it's really a. Uh, very interesting how he he actually um, it, it's like musique concrète. It's the same. It's between music and image and um, sound, and it has, of course, also um, 
there are also some kind of an allegations to um, to strip cartoons and so you see the wham bam. So uh, sound poetry, it's also sound poetry. But what what can I say about it? It's it's just a very mixed up uh, um, artistic reaction. Uh, to uh, a very mixed up time and of course it's it's the moment on which uh, we had the high was it then already the highlights of Allez, the, the, so the starting with collage and montage in 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 Russia that is really they became also a political way of of influencing people so this is a very mixed up world where he's um, working from and he reflects it and it's uh it's something between a movie, music, text, and image, and yeah, it's as you say. You can, you have to look at it, and I wonder actually if a, a book like that can really be translated. You know, but I, I, the work that uh, Annie showed of me was um, a work that I made in 1988. Yeah. Uh, because it's a present that I gave to her because for a short, because I'm now for 40 years almost in Zeno X gallery in Antwerp attached to it. But there has been four years that I left the gallery because you know, I, I I had some problems with the way he was working, Frank. And um, so Annie was a good friend of mine and she was uh, saying, oh, come to my gallery. And then I had two or three shows at her, sh at her place. And this was one of the works that I didn't show actually in, in but I gave it to her. It's it's a side work and it's about large door. I, I was at that moment working a lot about this idea of the golden era. And it's about uh, some kind of an utopist or idealistic world full of colors and images and uh, and materials because it was on Darvik, very bright orange Darvik with, with all different kinds of of synthetic materials that I worked on with. Hmm. What I find interesting about your work is the is the complexity of it in terms of the ideas and the range of the um, intellectual influences and also the range of forms that you work across as we talked about earlier. Um, but but one thing that has been a bit of a constant, and this is this is a quote that I've taken from you elsewhere that I've seen seen you quoted several times. So I hope you're not sick of seeing these words of your own because that can happen. Um, but I've seen you say that you always had two obsessions: one, naked women; the other, artificial intelligence. And this this was something that obviously came across in the big retrospective of your work that I that I saw. Um, so I wonder if we could talk a bit about why those obsessions have persevered and just how they've come through your work you know through the long term through your practice yeah i have to say of course um that these things just a lot has to do with coincidence and when i was a student in the academy um i liked a lot going uh, painting from the nude actually that's why i went to the academy because for me an artist was painting nude women and um I always uh, longed for to go to classes like that. So that's what I did. But of, the, of course, when you then go out of uh, school, you don't have, uh, you, you have no models available anymore. And uh, at, the, at those moments, you con could find a lot in secondhand uh, bookshops, actually dress shops. Um, so old pinup books. Um, I wouldn't call them porn books because it's it, they are all all these women they had clothes on or not so many clothes but anyway they were not naked at all and I I found it from the beginning rather interesting to work with these booklets because I mean, that's one one thing I, one piece of the answer eh? but because uh, from when I I, I I did graphic design in the academy and so uh, I I could work at a certain point very quickly after I had my, my diploma um, in, a, in um, some kind of a company that um, was dealing with um, nuisance, actually usable rats and poison, or with um, they also sold Geiger counters, Geiger teller. It's, so uh, machines that you could place somewhere and then you could find out whether there was radioactivity or not. 
And um, at a certain point, I had to um, design a leaflet eh, for for an art for a fair a leaflet to to put next to this machine, this block eh, that you had to put with with a woman in a bathing suit carrying this uh, iron little basket. And um, I thought this is really weird. And of course, you have to see it. I, it was the seventies, and I'm, I'm, I was, uh, of course, it was a special age. Uh, we were undergoing uh, the, 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 all, all the reports from the Club van Rome, and so Club of Rome, and, and there, there was a whole leftist atmosphere in the academy. So I thought, oh, this is really weird. And I, I thought, yeah, because at that moment I was reading Wittgenstein and I was having a subscription on the New Scientist and I was um, then also reading the Sade. It was just translated, authorized, eh? because before, in this, it was only in the 70s, it was authorized in Belgium to have the, actually you, you weren't supposed to have the book, the books of the Sade. And I was reading these three things together and somehow it made me free my head. And I said, yeah, yeah, there are some of these words that of Wittgenstein or quotes or, and then from the new scientists about black holes. It was a big thing in those moments, black holes. And, and then uh, the Sade with his, with his uh, yeah. anyway, um, I said, yeah, maybe, and, and I collected also words, you know, and I said, yeah, maybe I could combine words or quotes with also with naked women. As, and, and then use also the naked women as some kind of, an, of a glue to go into the heads of people and say certain, I mean, just, I, it was very naively done by me, but, but kind of political, but in a playful way. I was not angry, I was not, I was just thinking in the beginning as a joke. But you have to know then at the same moment, um, and I've been doing that, actually it still triggers me. When I see a booklet like that, because of course every every booklet, every everything that's edited and made and presented as a book, as small it is as it is, it has some kind of an inner logic after a while. So when I look at a booklet like that or any booklet that with nude women, immediately this logic behind it is is asking me. I, I, I know it's not asking me. It's just that I, I get inspired by it, you know, to say something that I, I cannot put in words. And then and I try and, and then I use the, these different poses of women to say things and then to, to collect things. But then I have to say from, from the beginning of um, the 70s, there was a very, thanks to a gallery somewhere in, in Belgium, in Alst, New Reform Gallery, it was a very, um, very progressive gallery. They showed like the Wiener Actionisten, they showed Jürgen Klauke, uh, Urs Lutti, um, and um, all these people, um, I have to say, um, this gallery, they somehow had a connection with young artists, no, no, artists, scientists from Germ Germanisten, from the University of Antwerp, who became later linguist and then more and some then um, doctorated into artificial intelligence. Uh, that uh, knowledge representation, actually, knowledge representation. Artificial intelligence was one of the phenomena, actually, well, yeah, phenomena, I know. Anyway, um, it is so that um, these persons, they were all also performers. They were very much, they invite a lot of fringe theater from England, actually from welfare state, uh, but also like um, there was this performance in 1974 or five with Robin Gristel, and he come transmissions then of Genesis Peorich in, in, and they invited uh, all these people there. So, uh, and the audience was only three people then. Eh? I have to say it was very, uh, in, in the middle of the day in a high lit world, uh, yeah, very weird. These uh, like Genesis Peorich and and Cosi Fantuti in naked and and putting candles on the floor. Really, um, it's very very special moment actually. And but uh, these people who were half musicians, performers, half scientists, they didn't decide yet at that moment what they were going to do with their lives. They had also attachments with a, a big. Um, artist collective, a commune in the middle of the town called Ercola. 
and um, there was anarchist left, very left wing. So there was this connection. And I, at that moment, my boyfriend was also a very good body artist, body performer, um, artist Hugo Ruland. And uh, he was from Alst. So they had this connection. Somehow there was a connection. And I saw these people. And of course, very soon, I came into contact with these books on knowledge representation, which interested me a lot. And um, in 76, eh, like uh, this one person called Luke Stales, he was doctorating in um, artificial intelligence then. And um, he's, um, the subject of his, of, of his, of his doctorate was um, a computer simulation of parser, of translation machine. So it was very abstract. And he asked me, because at that moment I was making cartoons, very abstract cartoons with also these um, semi-scientific uh, wor words and quotes, uh, some very, very abstract actually. And, uh, but very much also a lot of with, with abstract and at the same, at the same moment um, with um, a lot of naked bodies on it. I, I mean, monster, monster, it was a bit monstrous. And um, <clears throat> what I wanted to say was, yeah, um, Rick, because of course it was very dry material at that moment. And he had to, to present his uh, doctorate in front of a jury. And um, he said, yeah, I would like to have some kind of an animation movie in the back to entertain a little bit the jury. Because they also made this um, very funny music, computer music at the time. It was a group called Miss Halle Gela Distils. And um, they had this um, little music theme called Walking on the Moon which was very funny. And I had to make then this very dry explanation of how this machine worked from the inside. And that did something to me, actually. Also to try, because it, of course for Luc, it was also, I, you have to know that I was 23 years at that moment. And Luc was younger than me, uh, but that he was very surprised as an artist, eh, me as a plastic artist, that I was able to understand bits and pieces of what he was saying that I was really interested in going into this material. And that's why he said, can you maybe then, eh, I will explain this to you, what, what my work is about, and then can you make a movie out of it? And can we then make together a movie out of it? It was, it was in 76, and we did it on a, on a giant, like on a, in, with a computer as big as a, as a, it was still almost as big as a room. And we did it in some kind of an, um, a format that doesn't exist anymore. It was only for, um, was only made a video format only made for for science. So we tried for the exhibition actually in Antwerp. We tried to remake it. He lives in in, in Barcelona. I lived in, Bar in Barcelona at the moment, but um, I went to Barcelona actually. But he didn't work out because he himself he didn't know anymore how. What the steps in his um, in his uh, things were, yeah. Anyway, um, so that of course made me yeah organized my thoughts in a way because you know I made these a lot of drawings. I when I left the academy, hey, you have I'm a young woman, you have a boyfriend, an artist with a very strong will. We are very big ego, and I had actually no ego, and. Um, so I was willing to, to give all my creativity to him. But in the meanwhile, there was this subconscious that was struggling with it. So what I did was, on certain moments, I, I started making drawings that came from my subconscious. And I didn't know where it came from. And, but they were immediately, I, I got a lot of interest for the drawing, these drawings. But people then said, yeah, but what does it mean? I said, they don't mean anything. I don't know where they come from. And actually, I, I didn't know where they come from. I only found out like 10 years ago when I showed them all thousands, thousands of them in wheels. There I found out it when you, because as a kid, you know, that's, I had this kind of, a, like I, when I was a kid, I couldn't, I was not able to forget things, especially not negative things. So, and um, I was having this burden of all these negative things that I had to carry with me. And from a very young age on, I started 
to concentrate on, on a, some kind of a mechanism to kill the, to kill the memories. And it worked actually because when I really concentrate on I want to forget this, then the moment after that I didn't know anymore what I was supposed to forget. So it worked. But of course now I understand that what you in, in such a way what you forget or what you I don't know where it comes, but it stays in your flesh. It stays in you somehow hidden. That's what happened. Let like um that's what uh, what's happening with me. I'm I'm a drawer, and in 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 origin, I make drawings. That's really my thing. That's my uh, material with which I can compensate my irregularities. It come just comes out by itself. And I have to say that in the seventies, there was this kind of a of an um, consensus that when you try to to dissect eh, or to explain things that come from the un unconscious, you lose your creativity. So oh, at the same time, I couldn't and I wouldn't explain. But then there were these linguists, eh, friends of me, who said, Johan, me, but they need it. They need a word. And they said, use this word, use this word. So I immediately I, I started doing that. And um, yeah, I, I, I immediately also f found words here and there that I could use. But if, if they are, do they really cover the content? I don't know. Of course, you can choose between thousands of words and you use this word, so it has a meaning. But I, I have to really to admit, I've only found out these things 10 years ago when I made this giant overview show in wheels with my drawings. Which was weird because you know in the seventies you were um, my drawings. I got interesting. I could make shows with them, but at a certain point, yeah, in when, from from the moment that the eighties started, it wasn't you weren't supposed to use your imagination anymore. It was really the sixties, seventies, and everything was had changed into concept. And uh, but what the thing was that. I kept on making these drawings. And the weird thing is that when you make things um, and you don't show them, you don't share them with the third view. Because from the moment when I, I make a drawing and I show it to you, I start also looking through your eyes to the drawing. But when that doesn't happen, you, you always repeat, repeat yourself. So for 20 years on, I could not, I didn't have the possibility anymore to show them, but I kept on making them. So there were some a part of my of my identity that I had to lock away because neither my gallerist or my boyfriend, performance artist Danny DeVos, or other people, curators, they hated these drawings because they were, yeah, it, it's just, I, I could call them prima materia, you know? It's like um, pure chaos. But is it chaos? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's chaos, but there's, of course, there are stories in them, you know, there's also stories in them, but it's an, in, it's, in, it's an interesting thing because, uh, of course, from the moment that I showed them, then in wheels, it stopped. They really stopped these drawings. I can, I cannot make them anymore. Although sometimes in the morning I make things, but smaller things that, um, show me how I, they show me how I feel at that moment, you know? Sometimes I, I, I have the urge of showing myself how I feel. And uh, because I'm, I think I'm, I have problems with being honest to myself. Because I, of course, as a woman, I don't know, you are of an other age as, as me, but when I was uh, raised, I'm, I'm born in 51, you were not supposed to have an own opinion of, on things, you know? So you always have to find ways to keep your, to keep standing is an individual and it makes like some kind of a second second hand or a meta person of yourself and that's a big struggle it's a big struggle that's why i have to be so a lot alone because otherwise i lose myself uh, <clears throat> yeah and and this is actually that is is actually a, you have like a, a, like this idea and i have to say that in the 80s of course from the from the middle of the 80s there were a lot of international gatherings of people 
um, of, of artificial, of, of conferences on artificial intelligence. I remember I was at one invited uh, in Brighton and I went to Milan in several in Paris and in, yeah, in, in, in Brussels and so, and it was very interesting and very inspiring for me to attach these two things to each other because they it, it worked for me, you know? I could make these installations which were like, they were based on what I experienced as a woman, as a pers person in, in the 80s, in the mass media, but also in the art world. And um, to give comment on these things, to actually to deal with my way of dealing with all these things that were happening around me and I, that I could not understand and I had to really to include in my in my being um, I always could go back to these uh, to the ways they were like um, asking how can we reach the core of what is it human intelligence and these books are so in, in, in interesting and then like at the other hand, I could use these sexual images of these women until the sexual revolution, eh? not before, until because I had to work with the filters that were in there. And um, but and I worked and, and it was each time I could make like really interesting works that came out of them. I don't know where it came out from, it, but it worked. But around my 40s, 41, 42, it didn't work anymore. And I called them survival mechanisms. Mechanisms, and then um, Yao and I was around. When was it in '94? I was invited for a big, um, a big event, an, um, an undercover art event in Brugge, in in Belgium, and um, we had to um, infiltrate in people's houses and make art there. And so I was invited in a it was called the Gezelle Quartier, Guido Gezelle. He was a priest, sign, uh, priest poet from the end of 19th century, gay, hated women, and he collected words. So I thought, yeah, what can I do here? Because actually it was a very weird space that I had to work in. It was with a very glass window, but the house was from 1400. It was a very narrow um, uh, entrance space before the real house began. I don't know how you say it in English anymore um but anyway and i had this little space from three by 250 by one meter that i had to occupy as an artist and i said yeah and this window it really um reminded me of um <clears throat> it reminded me this window of the windows we have in front of the horse here in the, in the prostitution section in antwerp you see they sit in belgium they sit behind it's like in amsterdam they sit behind a, a glass window and uh, you can go in and uh, have sex with this woman. And uh, <clears throat> I said, yeah, this looks like uh, some kind of a sex. Uh -huh. So what I will do, because at that moment in 92, I had the, the money, I, I, I earned them. I had finally the money to buy a computer of my own. And what I started to do, the first thing was to scan all uh, the images of women that I collected until then and to make maps of them in a certain structural way. And uh, what I did also was to recuperate um, um, a list of 96 words from uh, artificial intelligence, thermodynamics, and um, uh, also from books of um, possibilities of space travel. And so what I did, I, I took 96 words that I thought you were um, interesting. And what I did was, I collected uh, for 96 days. It was then still with a fax machine eh, from Antwerp to Brugge. And actually, this, it was an art critic who, uh, who, who lived in the house. And he even didn't have a fax machine at that moment. It, he, he was not so modern, but he bought then one. So what I did was for 96 days in a row, I, called, I, I, I made, took one of these women and I connected them with the words. One of these words. And I sent the digital remade woman image with the facts. But what I did, I did that, I don't know, I think I already read this book called, I had a book called Pure Lust of Mary Daly. You know Mary Daly? She's an old school, I, I know she's, an, she's a feminist, 
an old school feminist. And at, at the moment I bought the book, it was in second hand, or it was um, in, in Ramsh, because uh, it she was not, um, it was not fashionable anymore. I think she's great, she's great. And, but of course, what, what she said in her book was, that when you want to change, when you change the world, want to change the world, what you have to do is, is uh, change the memes around the world, the word, because the word in itself has no meaning, actually. It's not empty, eh? it's not empty in there, but it has no meaning, it's, it's full of meaning, the word in, in, in the middle of the word, I, because I, 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 I have been writing a, a text about it. Interesting, I think it, it, it's, in, I, so, sometimes I can really put my finger on what I'm really de dealing with, but I, that's some, for something later. But anyway, what she says, Eddie's woman, Eddie's this Mary, she says that when you want to change world, you have to change the memes that define the world, because otherwise we will keep on, 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 keep on living in this patriarchal system. But what, are, of course, how do you do that? That's a big question. Anyway, it has to do with the words and the words, the words, how we define the world with and what the understanding behind the words. And um, what I did now is in a very literal way, I just took them, I, I attached, I, I had this woman image made in such a way to masturbate, eh, to, for men to masturbate, that's the thing. And in the other, you have the word. Very, a very mechanical word of a technological era, a technological angle, and um, you combine them, and under the influence of that of that word, I transformed the images of the women in black and white, and that was the first stage. It took me ninety six days. Then I made some kind of a little conference in that house in the Gezellenkwartier in in the region of this this point, and um, what I did then is. I, I made it an animation movie based on, on these 96. And um, I made a very, very, very strict alchemistical division in that animation movie. Actually, it's doing all the time, it's, do, it's doing five times the same thing. But every time it's going in a more precise direction towards an, a result. A result that stays and that can be handled for the future. And um, what I did then, I took this animation movie and I used it at the base to work 10 years on making exhibitions. And it's called, I called, I, I, I gave myself for, for making this whole project, I called myself, I gave myself the name Head Nurse. And um, I called the whole operation Moral Rearmament. I called it also a sex and technology project, you see? Because that's what, and it's only after that, after I was middle, in the middle of making this project, eh, that I started really in 95, 1995, that I understood that what the Situationists and what Van Eigen is talking about is the same. Because when you see these movies from, in, from the early 50s or late 40s from Situationists and, uh, Letrists, especially letrists, they dealt also with, with images, with sex, and then in the streets, eh, texts. So it's, it's something that goes way back. Well, that seems like a nice place to conclude on your previous work. But, Anne-Me, I know you wanted to bring us up to the present by reading a text that you've written recently. I wrote it a month ago. A few weeks ago, during a morning ritual of reading one of Wittgenstein's letters or diaries, I was troubled. Ever since the 70s, in days that began with doubt, I had been able to draw inspiration and a zest for life from a kind of connection with Wittgenstein's sense of reality. Reading him and getting into his atmosphere put me in the right frame of mind to go to my studio and continue what I was doing. A few weeks ago, this did not work anymore. It dawned on me that this way of dealing with reality is no longer in keeping with the life 
we as humanity have evolved towards over the last 20, 30 years. The fact that this no longer worked really upset me. The way in which Wittgenstein connected language, the world and men, had so far often been able to protect me from absurdity and determination. Coincidentally, in the meantime, I heard Katrien Schaubroek on the radio talking about the publication, her publication, Iris Murdoch, A Philosophy of Love. In it, she makes a connection from David Hume over Kant and Nietzsche to Wittgenstein, existentialism and behaviorism. Language, the word, is described in this tradition as encapsulating a void. Actually, that is not true. This assumption has been maintained for centuries, simply because it is indebted to phenomena such as the urge to conquer and to the coercion of power. Also, the hierarchies that people thought they had to maintain to keep communities running smoothly. Just as the context of, of a word gives meaning to the collection of sounds that make up a word, and to which, after consensus, a certain concept is ascribed, so too it is assumed that thinking, man as a thinker, is in itself empty and once confirmed by words, moves on to action. It suits a certain part of humanity the idea of this emptiness, which in fact is meaningless, or at least perceived as such. Fullness, <clears throat> fullness, chaos, prima materia, and unbridled creativity must be distanced from. It is by performing negative actions, suppressing other people, committing atrocities, humiliating yourself in excesses, that the void is safeguarded. But the problem with this emptiness is that it's always filling up again, like water that always comes back up in, in when digging a hole by the sea. What a problem it is to have no, to experience again and again that no facet of the past can disappear into nothing. Everything that is, is there and remains. And once it is there, once it has happened, it settles in our flesh, the place where spirit and matter are one. In any case, that fullness, that dark and abstract matter in ni is neither feminine nor masculine. For women, there is the monthly organic renewal of substance meaning, where by a utilitarian kind of restart, again and again, the pernicious abstract depth may be ignored and transcended. For men, there is nothing left but to master depth and bottomlessness, through the above-mentioned coercion of power. Herein lies also the power of technology. I thought that was interesting to say. I think that's, that's a nice thing to leave with, with our listeners to reflect on. So, and me, thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Um, listeners, uh, thanks, thanks for being with us. Uh, we're back on Resonance 104.4 FM soon with a show about the Commune of Paris and how writers responded to it. Um, I've been your host, Juliet Jakes. Thanks for listening. Take care. Goodbye.